We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Emprise debit cards are contactless, secure, and faster than ever. So fast, they're giving the cheetah a run for his m- money. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Special shout out appreciation for them and what they've done here, helping get KC Sports Network going. And uh, we are thrilled to be talking about our favorite football team here. And by we, I mean my dear pals. First find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, what's good? Everything. Everything's going well. It's been a good week. You know, my, uh, one of my pigs had her babies. So I have six new healthy pigs on the, on the farm type thing that I live on. So it's, it's been a good week. And you know what makes it a better week? Getting to sit down with my friend Craig Stout and talk about the Chiefs' upcoming opponents during this 2021 season and potentially be calling getting called Matt Lame for my poor takes. That's okay. I am used to that nickname. It is one that has stuck with me since like <laughs> middle school. Yeah, unfortunately, I I I we kind of saw that one coming, but uh, so it is. We're we're gonna talk about some teams that are not the titans so the titans fans cannot get mad at us again this week and we're gonna they talk can about if they want to watch no if they I mean, want to sure. tune yeah, in no, please. they can be as come mad as they want come, come hate listen. watch us yeah just yeah, come hate yeah. watch us listen there's lots of people that hate watch me and hate read me and hate everything me but that's fine False. we welcome you in come come <laughs> join us so yes we got two more opponents that the chiefs are playing in this season because it's june and it's the off season and we're all waiting for that tyron matthew extension to land so let's talk about a couple more teams here you know what's going to happen we're going to post this video and like three minutes afterwards there's going to be an announcement that the tyron oh, matthew extension has happened like that's how time so this is being recorded i highly doubt that <laughs> <laughs> all right well We are going to continue our season preview. As Craig just mentioned, we're going week nine and week 10. And we start with the Green Bay Packers coming into Kansas City and perhaps an Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes matchup that we're finally getting to see. Uh, But beyond Aaron Rodgers, what's the quality of this roster, Craig? It's, It's pretty good. Uh, I think a lot has been made about the fact that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has lacking weapons and his dissatisfaction and all of that. But 
They do have a good offensive line. They've actually got some young pieces on defense that I like a lot that have really taken some major, major strides here. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. I do fully expect that he is going to report that he is going to be their quarterback this entire season. I think that all of this is just a little bit of hoopla right now that we're all laser focused on because it's the off season, but I do like the quality of this roster. This is one of the better rosters that the chiefs is going to play this year. And they've got a lot of good complimentary pieces outside of the obvious ones that everybody focuses on with the Packers, which is those weapons that Aaron Rodgers is throwing to. Yeah, I think top to bottom, this particular roster is definitely going to be one of the better ones the Chiefs are going to see throughout the season. I do, however, have one big question mark for this team outside of Rodgers, and that's the offensive line. This offensive line has been really good over the past few seasons, but there's a lot of guys either returning from injury or you're getting some new faces stepping in on this offensive line now. So David Bakhtiari is coming back to play left tackle. He's coming off a season-ending injury. Next to him, a guy that he hasn't really played much with, John Runyon, who's going to be a second-year, sixth-round draft pick, is playing guard. you got Elton Jenkins, might kick back into center. He might play guard so a rookie like Josh Myers can step in. And then Billy Turner is the right tackle, who I think is very up and down. Just, it's not as good of an offensive line on paper that it's been performing over the last three or four seasons. Now, like I'm saying here, the Packers have had a great offensive line the past few years, so maybe the coaching is really what makes it, and this line's going to be excellent, be the best pass-blocking unit yet again in the NFL. But just looking at it, I could see a potential weakness in the chain here just at this offensive line position. And like Craig said, I think that defense is really starting to turn the corner in terms of talent. They got some young guys that are ready to step up. So this is going to be no easy game. This is one of the few games where the talent level might be very near equal for the Chiefs. Yeah, I would tend to agree, and they at least have some interesting pieces to to look at along that offensive line. You kind of mentioned Josh Myers. If he's able to step in from week one, then you have a little bit more flexibility with an Elkton Jenkins, who uh, I think we were all pretty high on coming out, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think that was the draft before the draft guy, but I think we were all talking. Uh, which, uh, But yeah, that's... Uh, well, maybe... what did, Was he in the draft guide? Was he, in the he, draft was, he was the first year of the draft guide because I like we all like Cesar Ruiz more, I do believe. And then yeah. you had the um, Texas A&M center that went to the New Orleans Saints. And then you Eric had McCoy. Eric yes, McCoy. McCoy. And then you had Elton Jenkins were kind of your top three. Yep. I think we all – I think we had Jenkins as the second interior offensive lineman, I think. But I could be wrong there. I just do know we all really like Cesar Ruiz. We did. And so they have some interesting pieces along that offensive line. They have some, you know, they've added an interesting piece uh, in their in their secondary as well. I'm sure somebody will talk about that here in a little bit. But let's talk about the quality of the staff. Matt LaFleur has come in guns blazing. He's had a lot of success early, Matty. He has. And I think the interesting part with LaFleur is he's gotten Aaron Rodgers to play on time. Like the biggest critique mm-hmm. anybody ever had of Aaron Rodgers was holding the ball too long, always looking for that really big play. And then he often took a lot of sacks or was forced to make incredible throws, but they were much harder than they had to be. So I do think LaFleur should get a lot of credit for that. But at the same time, I do think he can limit some of the explosive tendencies that Aaron Rodgers does play with. Part of that is the weapons that they do deal with. But he so far has done an excellent job getting Aaron Rodgers back to that MVP level. But to me, I'm sure Craig's going to talk about him a little bit, or maybe I just put Craig on the spot. But Joe Barry, he's an interesting guy, defensive coordinator, because he's worked with Monty Kiffin 
Wade Phillips, you know, uh, Staley, uh, Brendan Staley coming out over from the Rams. Like he's got a lot of good defensive coordinators, head coaches that he's worked under, but his only stint as a defensive coordinator was very rocky. They had a good pass rush, but they didn't particularly perform well on their points allowed, their yards allowed. So he's finally getting another chance now. What has he learned? Is he going to be better than he was in Washington, you know, five, six years ago? So that's where my eyes are glued to right now. Yeah, my eyes are glued there as well. I mean, he's coming off of being an assistant head coach and a linebackers coach for Sean McVay. So he did kind of have to handle a lot of that defensive side of the ball, had to help with game plans and things like that, being an assistant head coach. So this is a task that I think he is prepared for. And like Maddie said, being that defensive coordinator before at the NFL level prepares you to get you know some of the week-to-week stuff going. I do think that he's coming into a good situation. I mean, that that town hated Mike Pettin, just absolutely <laughs> hated Mike Pettin with a passion. So he's certainly going to be a step up in a lot of Packers fans' minds. He's got some good coaches on his roster still. A, a guy that we all love, Mike Smith, former chief, uh, has really maximized those outside linebackers, those pass rushers, really made them – Turn the corner. Rashawn Gary was a very raw guy, and he started to really make strides under Mike Smith as well. So I think that he's he's done a good job of retaining the guys that had connection to the players and is are going to make that transition a lot easier for him in Green Bay. I think that he's actually going to be able to hit the ground running pretty well. Those young guys are all hard workers and really ferocious. Like they. Man, Jair Alexander's on that team, and he, he's <laughs> he's talking right now about somebody that he's got to match up with. So I I just really like what they've done, and I think he's going to be able to lead that defense pretty well. Yeah, the cupboard is not bare uh, on that side of the football for Joe Barry, and it's not it, the covers aren't bare for this football team. This is a, a stocked roster, and there are some new additions to talk about, Craig. Yeah, there really are. Um, I I think I'm I'm going to leave the 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 one that I think that everybody is going to really focus on a lot. And I'm going to talk about Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes is a very raw cornerback, at a, and it's a position that they need a cornerback at. I think we all remember Kevin King getting absolutely roasted in the NFC playoffs last year, just Poor giving guy. up. Uh, just it, it was so bad. Like That's going to be everybody's lasting memory of him. Eric Stokes is a really, really raw player coming out of Georgia. A guy that's got freak talent, though. His athletic profile is top-notch. So I think that if they can get him to progress, as well as they have the rest of those DBs, the the way that they've been able to coach those guys up and obviously being in the room with a lot of those guys, you know, you've got, again, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage. You've got, you know, Adrian Amos. Those guys are all really savvy veterans that are going to get him up to speed quickly. I think he's got a shot to start week one, and I think he's got a shot to actually perform really well just because he's got the physical tools to help make up for any mistakes or lapses in judgment that he may have schematically, at least initially. The big one for me is going to be wide receiver Amari Rogers out of Clemson. I actually think he fits the missing piece that the Packers have as at the wide receiver position. He gives them a guy to put in the slot to work the underneath route stuff, to work a lot of the motion game, you know, 
uh, created or manufactured touch game. And he's a guy that could come really close to matching Randall Cobb's production in Green Bay a few years ago with Aaron Rodgers. It's a similar type of player. I think he's excellent with the ball in his hands. So he just gives him a good complimentary piece to go with the possession, Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams and the deep threat of MVS. So I like his fit with this wide receiver group. I don't think he'll have a huge statistical year, but I do think he'll play a pivotal part in just a lot of their pre-snap stuff and getting you know some just manufactured easy yards when everything else is focused somewhere else. So the Packers really didn't do a ton in free agency. They lost more than they gained really from a, from a talent perspective, uh, losing Corey Lindsley. Uh, and the replacement for Corey Lindsley, a really quality center, is probably Josh Myers talked a little bit about him earlier. Uh, I think I had a pretty solid grade. I actually think I might have had him graded higher than Creed when uh, during the. I, I think that I think I might have had him. I think you might have. Yeah, I think yeah. I did. Uh, I like Josh Myers a lot. He's a little bit stiffer uh, than Creed is. He may not be mm-hmm. as comfortable working up to the second level. He's not the same kind of player in space. We're not having to compare these guys apples to apples because they're on different organizations. But I think you know Josh Myers is a guy that's much more stout. At the point of attack, he's able to anchor a lot better. I think those are some of his traits. I think operating within a phone booth, he's a little, he's a lot better than what Creed is, even though we're not comparing him. But that's just kind of the if you're comparing these guys, he's a bigger dude. Um, he's a physical player, and I think he's one of the better pass protectors. So I think he's a really good fit and a really good replacement for Corey Lindsley as this team uh, tries to move on and tries to get cheaper along the interior of their offensive line. Uh, players to watch. And there's a lot like we kind of just talked mm-hmm. about. And the one I'm really a- interested in watching is Rashawn Gary. These guys kind of talked a little bit about him earlier, but his growth and progress progression over the last you know couple of years has been really impressive. It wasn't always, you know, early on, it was pretty rocky for him. Uh, he was having a hard time seeing the field. His rookie year was, I don't want to say entirely a wash, but there was a lot of growing pains for him. He started to play a little bit more consistently um, was, you know, I think his hand tech's gotten a little bit better over the course of the last two years. And that athletic p- profile is starting to play. He's playing faster. He's playing a lot better. And, you know, his this is a big year for him, very obviously, because you know, if he continues to grow and progress the way he has over the last year, uh, things get pretty scary for him. He's kind of supplanted Preston Smith, who kind of, you know, had a really good year two years ago for the Packers and kind of stepped off a little bit towards last year. And now it's Rashawn Gary's show kind of, potentially profile in this group as the Darius Smith falls off a little bit too, I'm assuming. Yeah. My guy is big Bob Tanyan. <laughs> Robert Tanyan exploded onto the scene for everybody last year with 11 touchdowns. And part of that is because his usage increased so much year over year. He got up to 61% of the offensive snaps the year before it was 18%. The year below, before that it was below 10%. So they they kind of realized what they had in Big Bomb Tanyan and started utilizing him a lot more, especially in the red zone. But he started to get more integrated in the offense between the 20s as well. He really turned into a weapon for them. He really did. Like I, our our buddy Jake Morley, who does the the uh, Casey Draft Guide with us, was telling us early on. It's like, hey, you guys got to watch out. Big Bomb Tanyan. He's, you know kind of jokingly he's coming for Travis Kelsey then by the end of the year the man had 11 touchdowns and was a serious threat so I I am very curious to see if he's going to be able to progress and continue that role because like 
like Maddie said, you know, Amari Rogers is there. You've got Devontae Adams. If you have this legitimate three-headed weapon that you can utilize in the passing game that does not involve your running backs, that is really hard to defend. So if he continues to progress, they're going to be pretty good on offense. For me, I think you guys left me the low-hanging fruit. So we're going to go with Aaron Rodgers as the player to watch. And just because he's coming off an MVP season, but Rodgers throughout his career has been anything but consistent from year to year. Like he's not really put back-to-back great seasons together, especially since about 2014. It's been some good, some bad, some good, some bad. Is he going to be able to put two seasons back-to-back at the elite level that he played at last year? Like from a talent perspective, he easily can, but given what's going on this offseason, what kind of just mindset is he in when he gets to the team? Is everything going to gel? He's clearly upset with people in the front office or the coaching staff on some level. Is he going to be able to work right by it, play as a professional, be the Aaron Rodgers that he was last year? What's that look like going forward? Because this team, let's face it, is going as far as Aaron Rodgers takes them like any team with a great quarterback. So is Rodgers ready to do that a second season in a row? Week nine in Arrowhead against the Green Bay Packers. How can the Packers come in and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, Maddie? Well, the Packers have one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and end up winning the game, whether it's by last possession or simply just playing slightly better on the given day. So if the Packers come in, they get the Chiefs in a shootout and it's Aaron Rodgers' day to shine and Patrick Mahomes is just a you know mere mortal, which results in still being a top five quarterback in the NFL, the Packers can win this game. They can simply outscore the Chiefs to be a better quarterback play. Yeah, uh, Devontae Adams. If he goes off and has himself a big day against Legarius Need and Charvarius Ward on the outside, it could be a long day for the Chiefs. You know, we've seen number one receivers, especially explosive ones, good ones, take advantage of the Chiefs' cornerbacks, which they haven't spent a ton of assets on, been able to exploit them just a little bit in some losses in Chiefs' history recently. So I could see Devontae Adams really going off and creating problems for the Chiefs and allowing Green Bay to win this game. Play action game affecting that young linebacking core, uh, a, a core that doesn't exactly have great coverage skill sets uh, and an offense that certainly can put points up and a pass rush capable of affecting the quarterback. This is a team that no doubt has the horses to compete with this team and win. Yes, even in Arrowhead. Uh, who is the Chiefs MVP for this game? And I'm taking the easy cop out answer. This is this is the state farm bowl. We have we haven't even got we've gotten 20 minutes into the show and haven't even mentioned it's going to be the state farm bowl. Patrick Lavon Mahomes is going to be ready to go up against Aaron Rodgers and try to remind everybody who the best player in the world is, who the MVP is. Aaron Rodgers got all this love and Patrick Lavon Mahomes is the guy that you're going to be seeing as the MVP. This I'm entire cheating. segment is the I'm Patrick Mahomes MVP. I'm cheating. <laughs> no, it's the allowed. week to cheat. Not allowed. Pick somebody. I'm doing else. it. I'm doing it. No, right. I'm doing it. No, look. You get you get the Travis Kelsey bit all the time. Oh wait, I'm, did I spoil it again? Sorry. I'm rolling with Patrick Levon Mahomes. Okay. Well, my guy 
is going to be not Patrick LeVon Mahomes because that's been off the table all year long as we discussed when we first started doing this thing. I'm cheating. My, <laughs> my guy is going to be Chris Jones in this game. I think that if Chris Jones can really take advantage of the interior of this Packers offensive line, that that's going to ruin the game plan for the Green Bay Packers. I think we know that Aaron Rodgers is very comfortable in that pocket, as he should be with the good offensive line that he has. But Chris Jones is one of those types of players that can take over a game on the interior, rushing the passer and really wreck havoc, force Aaron Rodgers off his game, having to play a little more out of time, off structure. He can do all those things ridiculously well, but with the way that the offense is structured right now and the way that they built things together, I think that Chris Jones can actually wreck this a lot more than some other instances against Aaron Rodgers that we've seen in the past. So I know Joe Barry kind of cut his teeth as a defensive coordinator working with linebackers. He made that Rams linebacking unit, which is definitely not the most talented bunch, bunch play relatively well in coverage. They do a pretty good job. He did a pretty good job with those guys covering them players. I just don't know if Camille Martin or, you know, Owen Burke, these kind of guys are going to be able to go out there and stop Patrick Mahomes from throwing the football all over the field. So I am choosing Patrick LeVon Mahomes as my non-Patrick Mahomes MVP for this game as well, (laughs) because I don't think that that linebacker group is going to be able to cover guys like Travis Kelsey, who would be the runner up to the MVP of Patrick Mahomes. Well done. I love it, Matt. It's great. And it's a great week to whip that out. And uh, week 10, we'll move on and we'll go and talk about going to the Chiefs vacation home, the big Roomba in Vegas. They're going to the Las Vegas Raiders on week 10. What is the quality of the roster, Craig? I mean, obviously a step back from the Packers, which is to be expected when you're talking about one of the better teams in the NFL. But I do like a lot of what the Raiders have here. I don't love their quarterback, obviously. And uh, the entire Carr family just blocked this YouTube channel. Somehow. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they were able to do that. Hold on. The Titans aren't coming for us this week. This week, it's just the Carr family. Yeah, it's just going to be the Carr family. But uh, no, I really five yards past the line of scrimmage. You're safe. Hey, tell that to the Chiefs defense last year who got torched by Derek Carr, actually playing fairly well, throwing the ball deep. Uh, They've got Henry Ruggs. I actually really like Brian Edwards as well. I, you know, obviously Darren Waller is a, a one of the best tight ends in the league behind Travis Kelsey. I on defense, they are not nearly as good. They don't have the same bodies, especially in the secondary where they spent a lot of assets and really haven't been able to step up and perform particularly well. And then he's got to, they got to go against the chiefs every year, but I do like a lot of the offensive pieces that they have. I am worried about the offensive line a little bit. They got gutted, seriously gutted a lot of players. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see because a lot of pieces that I liked on this team are no longer on it. Yeah, that's where you have to start is with that offensive line. I mean, you're looking at guys like Andre James, Denzel Good, and Alex Leatherwood. That's an entirely new starting right center over to the right side of that offensive line. 
And that was the strength of this Raiders team on offense. I know Carr had some good weeks. You know, Josh Jacobs had a good rookie season and he had some moments last year. But I think it all stems from how good that offensive line was. And now all of a sudden, the pressure has shifted from the offensive line making your job easy if you're Derek Carr or Josh Jacobs to making it very difficult potentially, especially off that right side. If that offensive line is even average, that's a huge step back for them. And I think that throws a huge wrench into their game plan. So for that reason, I think that that does set their roster back as a whole quite a bit. You took the biggest position of strength and made it a giant question mark. And then you flip sides. I mean, they have been trying to figure out that secondary for what feels like a decade now, and they just can't get it right. And that's what happens when you have Damon Arnett who can't keep up figuratively or literally on the football field. And he can't even, the first round draft pick has been demoted. Casey Hayward's come in. He's a good player, but this secondary just cannot seem to put it together. I'm not afraid of anybody on this defense. There's some talent in the pass rush, but they still have just not had a good defense for, again, it seems like a decade now. I think this is a very underwhelming uh, and uh, on paper, I think it's some of these guys, like some of these guys, there's some names to them, but I don't know if any of these guys or a lot of these guys are necessarily in the prime of their career some of these acquisitions that they've brought in not necessarily the best versions of themselves so very very much a john gruden roster is really what it is uh just that just that just reeks of john say more about hunter renfro oh well (laughs) (laughs) yeah that dude's having himself a career good for him 30 Um, years running (laughs) yeah that that accountant's having himself a real nice real nice time here in the league and more than i anticipated uh i'll catch that l but uh yeah the john gruden speaking of quality of this staff and there's some new face you know, there's a new face here gus bradley uh we're all very familiar with gus bradley here former jacksonville head coach former los angeles charger defensive coordinator a guy that has been uh, in the AFC West. So, you know, John Gruden, make, you know, makes a lot of sense for him to go calling on him. One of the better defensive coordinators who's had a lot of success in the national football league. Um, makes sense that, that he goes and grabs a guy who's all too familiar with the Kansas city chiefs, which is the primary objective of any AFC West opponent is trying to stop Patrick Levon Mahomes. So um, I, you know, Gus Bradley, nice quality addition to this staff, John Gruden. There's still a lot of money that Mark Davis can't afford to leave just sitting on the table dead, you know? Uh, so John Gruden's got a lot of time to build this thing. He's got a lot of leash still that doesn't really matter what he does, which is maybe why he's just signing a bunch of guys with names off the street. Yeah. Um, I think we saw John Gruden's kind of approach last year. A lot of the games for the Raiders were kind of the the same old thing, you know, get play action, run behind a very good offensive line. Josh Jacobs is very good, you know, volume targets for Darren Waller. Like it makes perfect sense. It's playing to your team's strengths, but it's keeping it short. And then the two games that they played against the Chiefs, they really opened things up. And they only really did that in those two games, just as kind and tendency breakers. So the question mark's going to be, can they? is that the team that they can try and maximize? Mix that in a little bit more. You already, you showed your hand to the Chiefs now. Surely Steve Spagnuolo and company aren't going to get bit by it a third time. Please don't get bit by it a third time. But it, we'll see what that offense is able to do behind what we're projecting to be a step back in an offensive line here. So I I am very curious to see 
which offense is the one that they're going to do because they showed that they could do it against this Chiefs defense. Is it something that they could do a little bit more regularly with Greg Olson, John Gruden behind Ed, a young offensive line coach by Tom Cable? Well, I think that's a lot of the credit that has to be given to Gruden is he has at times gotten Derek Carr to step out of his comfort zone and actually taken some shots downfield. It's mostly been against the Chiefs, but he's been able to do that. And that's something that other coaches have not been able to do with Derek Carr. So you do have to give him a little bit of credit for that. That job becomes a lot harder when your offensive line isn't giving you five seconds every single passing play. So we'll see how that plays out now. The other thing that I think you kind of got to give Cruden a little bit of credit for too, he gets his guys to play hard for certain games. There are certain games Mm -hmm. throughout the season that John Gruden gets his players to play at or above their talent ceiling that week. And it's it's significant because you watch the Raiders play against the Patriots last year, and then you watch them play against the Chiefs, and it's night and day what that team was able to do. So he can get them up for specific games. He's got that level of motivation. He just lacks consistency there. I do think the game of football has also passed John Gruden by a little bit. He's, he's trying to catch up, but he's struggling to get up with modern football, and the Raiders still owe him $7 million as a head coach. So... As a rival fan, we just smile about that and move on. <laughs> well, before we before we move on from this topic, do do we think that this is the do or die year for John Gruden? Like, is no, this the he's one? owed too much money. The, you, no. you just don't think that they can afford to take that hit. He, no, Mark Davis is flying Southwest. He I know. can't afford to. He Mark can't Davis afford- let the right side of his offensive line go. Because of money yeah. I think that I think that Gruden gets through one attempted at quarterback change. Okay. I think that I, if, I, if I it fails this year, I think they give him a chance to try to make something happen with a new quarterback. I think once you get to year five, halfway point, I think is when they can cut bait, which that would be two more years from now. So if they fail this year, no, he's still due, he's still? due like seventy million dollars. Do we really think that Mark Davis cares enough to to? I don't. He. When he do those bet. Vegas kickbacks start hitting? When, when do those start hitting? I don't know, but he bet on John Gruden. He bet, he and there was there's been all kinds of rumors and buzz that he's cash poor. Well, Mark Davis sure didn't care Air- about his cash when they were spending all that gas to ride around their October Super Bowl of beating the Chiefs. Well. There, well, I have, yeah, we we'll get there probably. <laughs> I can't cannot wait for that game. That's my number one most anticipated game. I for think the I year. said that, yeah, on a podcast. I think I said that. That's uh-huh. the number one game that I'm interested to see. They're mm-hmm. gonna bop them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> new additions to this roster, Maddie. Alex Leatherwood, because he's playing right tackle. I don't think that we felt like he should be starting out as an offensive tackle, especially right away. The Raiders reached a little bit, according to general consensus, to take him in the first round. So if he wasn't for it being the Raiders, I would almost be pulling for him to stick it to everybody that thinks they know football better than the NFL. But it is the Raiders. You look at their history of their first round picks, and like you could almost put it in stone that Alex Leatherwood is going to struggle like a lot of their other first round picks. So it's just going to be interesting. He does have big shoes to fill coming in for replacing Trent Brown. What's he going to be able to do on this offensive line, especially at tackle where I have some major questions about just his ability to play out on an Island at the NFL level. I was actually going to go Alex Leatherwood and I didn't think there was a chance that Maddie would go Alex Leatherwood (laughs) and that's okay. You know, that's, that's all right. Um, It's, I, I will say, I think, my whole point with that is on Alex Leatherwood. You know, maybe I'll just double down on Alex Leatherwood because I have Do some it. takes. 
Yeah, Look, do it. Derek Carr, when he does not have everything perfect in front of him, is a dumpster fire. When he doesn't have the time and he's having to navigate pressure, he does not solve problems. He, he doesn't threw do the it. ball away on fourth down. He's 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 a train wreck. I'm sorry, Raider Cody. I hope you're listening. Your quarterback's a train wreck when the offensive line in front of him is not exceptional to very good. And this group is banking on Alex Leatherwood to be the guy that helps hold this group together. Frankly, they need Alex Leatherwood to be a day one dude. And I don't see it with him. And I think I was probably that. I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's a guard. I think he's a potentially really good guard too. Sure. But he's a guard. They need a tackle. And there's just a lot of question marks for me about that offensive line, which means there's a lot of question marks about uh, about Derek Carr because he has to be carried because yeah. he is incapable of doing anything when the play breaks down. Quote that. <laughs> okay, Frank. I'm going with uh, I'm going with Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, come over here after kind of a tumultuous season last year. Started Minnesota, ended up in Baltimore. I think everybody kind of remembers that whole thing and how much how much of a frustration he was for Minnesota and then going to Baltimore. Like it, it was not a great situation that he was in, and yet he still had eight sacks last year. Like he still had production and they need production uh they they've got cleveland farrell a guy that we all really liked coming out of college and just hasn't been able to put it all together and be an nfl caliber rusher they need somebody that they can count on to get consistent pressure since they had khalil mack leave this team they have not been able to rush the passer at a consistent clip they just haven't and frankly the other guy on that on that defensive line that they were relying on to do that this you know at, for the past couple of years is gone in Maurice Hurst so I I just don't know they need help they need somebody they can rush the passer they they went out and spin on Yannick I think that he's their best shot to be able to do that so I'm really really interested to see if he can make that jump in year one all right, players to watch. I'm up first. I'm going with Darren Waller. And it really sucks that Darren Waller is a Raider because I'm rooting for him. He's a guy yeah. that's been through a lot to get to the point where he was. He came into the league as a wide receiver, had some substance abuse issues that really derailed his career, came back bigger, bulkier, um, and turned into one of the most dynamic tight ends in the National Football League. This man is... Um, a monster. He's a matchup nightmare. He's an exceptional athlete. He can win at the catch point. He's got fluid hips similar to a Travis Kelsey, not comping him entirely to Travis Kelsey because there's a long way to go for this guy, but he's a problem. He's an absolute problem. And he's one of the redeeming qualities of the John Gruden era. Yeah. Uh, my guy is another player that I could have chosen for a new addition, Trevon Moerick. Uh, I loved Trevor Murray coming out and this team, as Maddie said, needs secondary help. They got to find somebody. They got to get one of these guys to really work out in a big way. I think they thought that Jonathan Abram was that guy and year two was not good to Jonathan Abram. So getting another player back there with Abram behind Trayvon Mullen, behind Damon Arnett, behind Amik Robertson, Casey Hayward, whoever it is that ends up out there. Getting another guy that can play that 
deep center field role a little bit better, be able to cover some ground, be able to take good angles and be a smart player on the back end is desperately, desperately needed for this team. So I think that he's going to get every opportunity to kind of organize things on the back end. He might be able to make a lot of those guys a lot better player just by keeping everything organized in front of him. So here's a little storyline that somehow went under the radar this offseason. Carl Joseph found his way back onto the Las Vegas <laughs> yeah. Raiders roster after a very weird John Gruden hates him, forced him out, wouldn't play him, didn't want anything to do with him situation the year before. Carl Joseph goes to Cleveland, has arguably his best season out of the last three years. And then the Raiders are like, oh, Carl, no, no, we need you back now. Because Jonathan Abram isn't good, so we need you to come back, Carl Joseph. We need some kind of help. Yeah, we ran you out of town, but please come back to us. Like, what a wild storyline that nobody really talked about, that the Raiders literally had to probably grovel to get Carl Joseph to come back after the way they treated him on the way out. Like, this is great. That's my player to watch. I would just want to see – I just want Carl Joseph press conferences – every single week this year just to see how that relationship is going because that's that's wild to me you just watch carl joseph and john gruden in a room that you just get to watch every single week that's yeah that's all i need and okay. like jonathan abram can be there too because he he's doing so why not don't give me we oh man john john abram loves himself some john abram that man is a he's just dramatic to try to get attention. It's ridiculous. Him and John Gruden are the same person, I guess. Yes, absolutely. They're both named John. What do you what do you think? They oh, they just oh John Abram knows how to say salmon. But on hard knocks, he pretended not to. He was trying to be Jessica Simpson. Is this chicken or is this fish? Is salmon? No. You knew exactly what you were doing, John Abram. Why'd you have to bring up John Abram, Matthew? Sorry. How do how do the Raiders beat the Chiefs? Well, John Gruden has to be in his bag. He has to be. It's an A-plus game script. John Gruden very obviously treats this like a Super Bowl because he did a little parade with the bus after the game in Arrowhead. They are all about this game. John Gruden is doing everything in his power to try to beat the Chiefs. I'm, I'm not convinced that John Gruden wouldn't mind going 2-15 and 15 if he's going 2-0 and 0 against the Chiefs. He's going to be in his bag. It's not going to be enough, but that's how. John Gruden doing John Gruden things, excellent game scripts, and picking on Charvarius Ward again, probably. Yeah, I mean, and Charvarius has to have the, arguably the worst game of his The brain career. fart game again. I mean, like, yeah, just, it, yeah, it really was. It was just a, it is a bad, bad performance by Charvarius in that one. He was certainly much better in the in the second one, but they were still able to hang with him because John Gruden was making those types of play calls. It was all tendency breakers. That's what it was. It was all tendency breakers. It was taking these deep shots with the Chiefs trying to cut everything underneath and drive on everything underneath. He got Derek Carr to play the anti-Derek Carr game. So that's how it happens again. Steve Spagnuolo comes in and says, listen, they're not going to do it to us a third a third time. And then Derek Carr does it again. That's how the Chiefs, or that's how the Raiders could beat the Chiefs in either one of these matchups that they're going to play this year. So I don't want to keep saying the same thing of the Raiders just coming out with a 180-degree game script because that's exactly what they did last year. 
So I'm going to go with the pass rush decides to show up and just be absolutely unstoppable. You know, Cleveland Farrell takes that final step. Well, okay, one, we got to talk about it. Cleveland Farrell against the Chiefs is a very good football player. Cleveland Farrell versus every <laughs> other true. team. Mediocre. But so yeah. you get Chiefs version of Cleveland Farrell. Max Crosby has 17 sacks over two seasons. That's nothing to, you know, look away at. Now, I'm not the biggest Crosby fan. I think a lot of his sacks are kind of cheap sacks, but he has 17 sacks in two seasons. You can't ignore that. You now add Ngakwe to that. They have Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins. If all of a sudden this pass rush starts getting home versus the Chiefs' brand new offensive line, you could maybe get yourself into a situation where the Raiders are within striking distance and they are going back to that 180-degree offensive game plan, just chucking the ball down the field and the Chiefs aren't ready for it. All right. Who is the Chiefs' non-Mahomes MVP? Or, or maybe I should say this. Craig... Who's driving the bus for the Chiefs in this game? Oh, I'll tell you who's driving the bus for the Chiefs in this game. It's Legereus Sneed because Derek Carr, without having the offensive line to protect him, is going to throw interceptions. We know this. We have become very familiar with it in Kansas City, especially before, you know, last year. So Legereus Need is probably going to play on the boundary. I think that he's going to be the recipient of a lot of low percentage throws chucked his way towards Henry Ruggs, towards Brian Edwards, towards whoever it is that's out there on the outside. I think he's going to come down with a few of them because we know he's got great ball skills and we know that Derek Carr is just going to throw up some prayers trying to avoid pressure. Well, Travis Kelsey just won Chiefs fans free uh, Bud Light during the tight end you convention so he's also going to win some free broad light after the team celebrates by putting him on their shoulders for being the non-patrick mahomes mvp against the raiders like he is every single time they play travis kelsey owns the raiders he always has he's always going to it's crazy nicholas moreau the raiders coverage linebacker has actually been a coveted player when he hit free agency this year because he has good quote-unquote coverage grades I've never seen the guy show any form of coverage against Travis Kelsey. Now, it's not fair. Kelsey is the best tight end of all time, and you're asking him to cover him. But Travis Kelsey, when he plays the Raiders, it becomes the most uncoverable player in the NFL. If he's not every single week, it's going to continue. Travis Kelsey is going to be your non-Patrick Mahomes MVP, Kent. I really wanted to go with Derek Carr on this, especially <laughs> since especially since his brothers are better at blocking uh, on Twitter then his offensive line on the right side is blocking. But I'll go with Jared Reed, who will feast on that interior offensive line. That is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, wherever you're consuming this. Make sure you're checking everything going on at KCSN, KCSportsNetwork.com, and KCSN.substack.com. We appreciate you. Catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.